So uh, we started a series called God Through You, and there's a lot of transitions that are happening in our church. When we first started the church in, in 2012, God um, kind of, we launched the whole thing uh, asking the question, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do different that people are not doing, that churches are not doing, so that we can reach our city? Because, it, you know, who cares if there's so many churches in our city if people are not being reached? You know, that's, that's just having another church, having, having, having just people gather just for kicks is kind of pointless if our city's not being impacted. And so um, God, led a, God led me to this, um, to John chapter 4, who talks about the woman at the well, uh, and when, how Jesus ministered to her and how he saved a village uh, through her. And so we, I spoke on it a few times in the past years, but as, this, as we're getting ready to transition uh, from what we've done to what we're getting ready to do, and the big day is September 29th. You guys don't want to miss that. Um, but we're transitioning. There's a lot of internal uh, shifts and changes, and going to be a lot of external shifts and changes. Um, and one of the one of them, uh, one of the big things that we're going to be focusing on, especially within the first year of our church, is the whole book of Ephesians. Um, and so with this with this message, like I've I've been re- like rereading Ephesians, and and it's like it's like so convicting. I would highly encourage you guys to read Ephesians. Um, if you don't read anything else, read the whole Bible. Um, <laughs> But uh, what, what I'm attempting to do, I'm sorry guys, I'm, we have so much cables and so, so much like a party happened here last night, so just trying not to trip. Um, but one of the things I'm doing with this story that we'll read again, because I think it's just profound for us to continue to read through this powerful, powerful story. Um, we see Jesus come alive in different aspects, and he's coming alive in a way that he's gifted our church and the church to operate and to function. And what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks and for the next couple more weeks is talking about different aspects of the story in light of the Ephesians 4, 11, which is basically this, um, if we have it up on the screen. Oh, we're going to read of 11 through 16. And he himself, and this is talking about Jesus, and I love this passage, that um, he breathed, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ, it's you and I, until, so there's a purpose, there's an end, we're moving towards something. We all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. That's so, so powerful. Then we will, and it gives you like the outcome, we will no longer be like little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cl- uh, a cleverness in the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in some ways, just the Christian ways. No, it says, let us grow in every way that is so encompassing into him who is the head, Christ. And so we read in verse 11 that he has given these five gifts. Some of you may know them as a five-fold concept. And things have happened in the church that have, people have tried to manipulate people. Who's ever been manipulated by people? Anybody? Raise your hand. Who's, who's been manipulated by your spouse? Who, 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 um, who, who's been, exactly, who's being manipulated right now by your spouse? Get that, you better not raise your hand. You um, and in the church world, people manipulate and misuse all sorts of things. And so that's one of Satan's tactics is to cast a shadow on something that's profound and try to keep us from stepping into it. And I think there's such profoundness to this 
this idea that God has given us five gifts so that we can become the fullness of Christ on earth. You and I are not capable of representing Christ fully well. Collectively, when we come together, we are the expression of Christ. Sure, there are elements where we express Him, but God has given us gifts to achieve so that we can do what Jesus did on this earth. And so through that lens and in that light, we read this story that's found in uh, John chapter uh, 4. And I think we will probably do it in the, the message translation. Uh, so we're going to read, and I'm going to today talk about Jesus as the teacher. Um, last couple of weeks, the first week we talked about Jesus in this story. Jesus is an evangelist where he crossed the social and, and economical boundaries to go after a Samaritan. And she was a woman. And so it was a big, big no-no. But as an evangelist, he's like, I don't care. They're lost, and i got to go there. And so the Bible said that he was compelled to go through Samaria. And so he did that. So we talked about that. And you can look at it online. And last week, we talked about Jesus as being the shepherd. Because as we talked about, evangelists are all about the souls. And sometimes they dehumanize people because they see them as souls in eternity. But then you have a shepherd who comes along and says, we got to love people. We've got to reach them for eternity, but we've got to love them in the present. You know? and, so, and this is kind of like the steps that, that really happens when God reaches people. He, he, he has to reach for them and then loves on them. And then love is revealed that, wow, God actually loved me before I even said yes to him. God's, God's love doesn't start when we say yes to him. But it sure does intensify. We experience his love completely different whenever we step in line with what he's doing. And today, we have the evangelist with the shepherd, and today I want to talk about the teacher. And this is uh, kind of an easier description because we're familiar with teachers. Most of us have teachers that we hate. <laughs> Some of them are your pastors or your former pastors. We're like, dude, you're not a teacher. You know, um, some of them are in school. You know, we have this one guy, Rusty. He was a coach. I'm sure he's hated. Noah, I got you back. Um, yeah, he's not going to be on the stage anymore. He, if you weren't here for that, he, he took advantage of the platform. So, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but, but through the lens of a teacher, I think we've, we, we've, we've nailed the teaching part pretty well. Um, a lot of churches are built and grown off of great teaching. You know, a lot of radio... All you hear is like really like great teaching, people writing books. That's a form of teaching, dissecting things. Um, and so I think even as a church, we have really embraced the teaching aspect of it. And I think it's really good because we have some denominations who are all about the feel, 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 and they are not rooted and grounded in anything theology-based. And so they're just like, oh, the Lord was here, the Lord was here. Hey, well, what about this in the Bible? I, I don't know. I don't feel nothing. <laughs> That's lame. We need some intelligence. We don't leave our mind at the door. You know, we bring our mind into the fold, and God works with our mind. But, but the shepherd is, is, uh, is a gift that's, that's a little more um, evident and a little more visible um, than, than some of the other um, gifts that we even talked about. And so I'm just going to do a little bit of a, a characteristics of a, of a teacher-type gift. And I want to, you know, and you guys mentally just see if you, can, if you identify with that or if you know people around you that are like that before we read the scripture passage. But... A teacher basically is the ability to reveal and to communicate the wisdom of God. Um, the influence is he, they influence to inspire others to learn and to obey the truth of Christ's teaching and his commandments. 
Um, somebody who seeks to understand and then seeks a way to explain to others so that they would understand. Who they understand feeling, and maybe the feeling is like uh, wishy-washy, but they know that if they can get the scripture in people's minds and in people's hearts, then the feelings will come and go, and they're great, but you're going to be grounded, you're going to be rooted in truth. Right now in our world, what is truth? The question that Pilate asked Jesus rings so ever true today. What is truth? You live your truth, I live my truth, and we're all good. Well, is that statement true? You know, this is like the, and they lived happily ever after model. You live your truth, I live my truth. Happily ever after doesn't happen whenever you get married. Happily ever after was until you got married. And now you got to learn how to love. <laughs> and learning how to love, there's challenges. And it's not a wishy-washy whatever. You get grounded because you love the person because you know them now. There's something about loving someone when you know them. It's a different story when you don't fully know them. So teachers are just trying to, to take, for example, like a married couple, and they're all loving, 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 and that's good. You know? But he's like, okay, now here's, let me sit down and tell you something about marriage, guys. <laughs> he's going to try to instruct and educate through experience, through their, through their own knowledge, through their own research, and try to kind of relay that and relate uh, it to uh, those around him. So there's a huge, huge influence. Um, and and you, can, you can walk into a church, and, or when you talk to Christians, you can have a gauge of how, um, of how much they use their mind when it comes down to Scripture. And, and unfortunately, in our culture, Christians are so bad at knowing the truth. They know glimpses and parts of the truth. Like, don't judge. What does that mean? It, it's, dude, when you tell me not to judge, what do you think you're doing? When you're telling me that God loves everybody, what does that really mean? Like, these words and phrases and, 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 and tweets are okay for those who don't know Jesus or for those who are just stepping into the life of Jesus. But if you've been a Christian for more than a year or two or three you have to seek out teachers, and the first and foremost is God. <laughs> he is your greatest source of teaching. But he begin, he'll begin to unload. But the other thing is that if you find a person who's dissecting scripture, who's always reading books, who's always learning, you know, and, and, and you know, kind of a, a flip side to that is that a teacher can really be egoistic. You know, they, they know how to dehumanize people because like, well, I'm smarter than you. What do you mean? You did not read the Bible once this year? Oh, I already read it three times. <laughs> Plus, I read three books a month. The last time you read was when you were in middle school. You're not saved. <laughs> and a lot of times, people who are immature in this gifting, they put people down. And they don't even realize it. And some people, they're not gifted to read every book, to dissect each topic. But, but you know what we do in life. We, 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 we want everyone to be where we are. You know, if we're, if we're learning and absorbing, we're looking at you and saying, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you learning and absorbing? 
We have to understand that there are different paths. And, and Jesus, in the story that we're going to read, Jesus with this woman at the well, he did not just go in there and be like, okay, woman, let me teach you some things. I mean, he, he, he discerned the situation, as we'll read, because she was the one that began to question him. But he, uh, through the giftings, the gifting that he has, that he has given to, our, to all of us, through those giftings, he began to approach this woman, and one of the things that he did was teach her. But just a few more characteristics, and we'll read the scripture. Uh, characteristics is effective communicator of truth. Um, others led to a deeper understanding and ownership of the truth. Uh, philosophers, imparters of ideas and principles. Uh, systematizers for solutions, processes, integration. Um, guides others with wisdom and understanding, encourages exploration and thinking towards solutions. Core issue is understanding. Curious to know more and to explain their knowledge. They're not just content, and, they, and maybe they, they are. Maybe some people are just content of just knowing. You know, but part of a teacher's heart is to not just know something, but to also invite others on this journey. This is why you have book clubs. I bet a lot of teachers are in book clubs, those who teach, because they love to read. And so when you have a men's crew, like, hey, we're going to go through this book. Men's like, are there guns involved? Are we going to shoot something? <laughs> no, we're just going to shoot the words with our eyes. <laughs> no, don't want any part of it. Um, another element of, 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 of a teacher is, is being able to discern whether the audience is actually comprehending what is being communicated. And this is a, this is a matter of like working it out. Have you ever like, like, like came in and just heard a lecture and you leave and you're like, man, that guy is so smart. I don't know what he said, but it sounded so good. <laughs> you know. Now, the cool thing about a teacher is that the teacher is not necessarily always extroverted or on stage. You know, as parents, you, you step into the teacher role more oftentimes than you could even imagine because you're always trying to train and teach by your mouth, by your words, by your experience, by your action. It's always like this, this learning thing. And so a lot of times we just, we just uh, put on teaching as like, oh, that's the pastor's job. Yeah, in this context, maybe, but we're not immune from learning and we're not immune from teaching. So we all have a bit of that. Um, but, but there's a lot of different paths that, that those who are gifted in this, like that that's what they bleed. There's a lot of different things they could really do. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's beautiful because when you, when you identify that that is like your strongest gift, that that's what God has breathed into you, and then you begin to step into it and say, hey, how am I, how mature am I in this, you know, and how do I work this thing out to fit my character, to fit my upbringing? You know, you'd be so surprised with what God can do with what God has already gave you. It's, it's amazing. And there's a lot of um, examples that we can go through um, to, 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 to look at teachings because in our culture, teaching is a big, big deal. A lot of people make a ton of money from motivational speakers um, to TV show hosts, professors, all sorts of things. Um, so... What I want to do is I want to read this, this uh, passage found in John chapter 4, verses 5, and we're just going to read through it and kind of dissect it a little bit just to see what God is teaching. Because this is, I mean, we, we get one of our core things that Jesus was teaching this woman. Um, and, and when you, you read it, you'll probably connect that that's what it is. So here we go. You guys ready? No? Yes. 
Thank you. Thank you. Because see, as, a, as someone who's teaching right now, it makes me feel good when you say yes. <laughs> Amen. You're so smart. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm joking. All right. All right. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He was going to Galilee. He, and this is Jesus, came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. And Jesus was with his disciples. So I bet that his disciples probably added to, his, to him being worn out. Just FYI. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked. Now, this is interesting because all of a sudden, she has a question from the get-go. How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? This is really powerful because it provides the context for this conversation. Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and, and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep. So how are you going to get, to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob? who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? Do you see what she's doing? She is, she is conveying the group of people that, she is part, that she's a part of. Our fathers, this is what they did, this is what we're doing, this is all a collective congregational, you know, I go to church, you know, we're, we're, we're saved, God loves us, it's all this, you know, we, we, we language. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an um, um, artisan spring within gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, sir, download that to me. Give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. Won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, go and call your husband and then come back. And then she responds, I have no husband. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there. Sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. We're going to talk about that next week. Well, tell me this. You see how she's just asking these questions. She just, she's, her mind is flooded with all sorts of things, and it's like coming to the surface. And a great teacher will actually even do that. You know, how, how, before I can tell you anything, I need to figure out where you're coming from, what's your mindset. I can't change, I cannot help you change your mindset if I don't know where you currently are. So you have to kind of dissect, go deep, go beyond the surface of all is good, life is good, how are you? I'm good, thank you for asking, God's, God's good. You have to get beyond that. That, that fake plastic, you know, facade that we all love to put on and go a little deeper. And this is what Jesus is doing with this woman. Well, tell me this, sir. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain. But you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming 
When you Samaritans will worship the Father, neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews, but the time is coming. In fact, it has come when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that come before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simple and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. Okay, she did not understand what in the world is getting ready to happen. Because what she was wanting Jesus to say is say, you're wrong or you're right. She wanted him to join her side or for him to tell her that she was wrong. And Jesus acknowledges her and, and he also acknowledges the Jews. But then he, he paves a whole other way. He inserts something completely foreign, completely new into her mind. She, 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 she's having this shock moment of what did he just say? And then she reverts to what she knows. I know that the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. She's dismissive. <laughs> Maria said it really well. She said that we don't have to wait to worship. We get to do it now. But she's dismissive of She's like, yeah, one day. Doesn't that reflect our culture? Ah, no one really knows. But one day, someday. It's all, oh, whatever, somehow. This is where she's at. We're, we're, we think that we're more like Jesus, but in reality, we're more like the Samaritan woman. Because we have our gimmicks of how we worship, when we worship. We have all our information about those worship this way. You, you know, worship, what, 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 style wars in church? What kind of style of music? You know, where we worship, you go to this church, you go to that church, is it traditional, is it not traditional, is it contemporary, is it modern? You know, we, 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 we can categorize and box all this stuff up, like the Samaritan woman is doing. Oh, yeah, you guys do it this way, we do it this way. Who knows? And Jesus is like, he, he didn't say those were bad. He was just saying, but something else is coming. There's another underlining theme that I'm trying, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm trying to unpack here for you. And I love this because this is, this is a prophetic moment but it's also a teaching moment because she's kind of learning something new about worship i am he jesus said you don't have to wait any longer or look any further you me memorize this i am he jesus said because this is for you you don't have to wait any longer do you feel the weight of that and you don't have to look any further I'm amazed when people come to church searching for God and leave church still searching for God every single weekend. God is right here, ready to be found in the building, outside the building, in your car, at your work, in the mountains, 
in the water, on the beach, in the storms, in the calm. God is not trying to settle everything before he's available. He is available with just a breath of just God. And she doesn't understand this because her, her is like, I got to go. I got to do this thing. And she's smart enough to understand that we do it one way and the Jews do it another way. And because they're enemies, they, they don't like, they, it's not that they just dislike each other. They hate each other. And it's so bad is that it, they actually avoid one another completely. Like I heard someone say, and I don't know how accurate this is, but um, so you discern. But the Jews, and this is culturally, so it's probably true. But the Jews, what they would actually uh, do is uh, if there was a... Uh, Samaritan woman, or even even a woman, to be quite frank, they would actually, as they're walking, so that, so, so that they can, you know, make sure that people are looking at them and, and, um, and they see how holy and godly they are, um, they, they will close their eyes as they're passing a woman or even a Samaritan woman, and they would actually bump into things. And they would cause bruises. And they would celebrate those bruises as a mark for their holiness. So it's an understatement to say that, that they didn't like each other. It was like the weirdest thing. So Jesus, as an evangelist, he says, I don't care. And then he comes to this environment and he knows that, man, I know what you guys believe, but I'm going to give you something a lot more deeper than you even thought of. Let's keep going. Verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked. Why? Because Jesus didn't have a bruise. Jesus didn't do this. <laughs> what are you doing? You're actually engaging this person? They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of a woman. No one said that they were all what, no one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. Oh, that's such a great way to interpret it. The woman took the hint and left. <laughs> because, oh, the dudes came in. They don't understand. So she left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, come and see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. In the meantime, the disciples pressed him, Rabbi, eat. Aren't you going to eat? See, for a teacher, the food is spiritual. For teachers, consuming things. They're always eating, if you think about it. He told them, I have food to eat. You don't know nothing about. The disciples were puzzled. Who could have brought him food? The woman's like, ooh, I'd never want to draw water again. You know, Jesus has to deal with her. And then the disciples are like, who gave him food? All in this physical pride. Jesus is like, like a ping pong. Like, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. As you look around right now, wouldn't you say that in about four months it will be time for harvest? Well, I'm telling you to open your eyes and take a look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. The harvesters isn't waiting. He's taking his pay, gathering in this grain that's ripe for eternal life. Now the sower is arm in arm with the harvester. Triumph. That's the truth of the saying. This one sows, that one harvests. I sent you to harvest a field you never worked. Without lifting your finger, you have walked in on a field, worked long and hard by others. We're almost done. Many of the Samaritans from the village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on, so Jesus stayed two days. 
A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. That was a teaching moment. They said to the woman, we're no longer talking this on your say-so. We're, not, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it is for sure he's the savior of the world. Now, what's really profound about this, and I know that we read this whole thing and, and maybe you're waiting for some point and, and I'm going to break down this whole thing for the, Latin, for the next 20 minutes, what I, which I'm not going to do because this story, if you just look at how Jesus is weaving into from an evangelist to shepherding to caring, and then he drops this truth bomb on her. And it's so profound that this truth that he taught her about worship and the prophetic stuff that he did, it, it, it revolutionized and changed her life. And it changed her life to such an extent that she went back to the village. And as a woman, the men of the village believed the woman because she was so convincing. And so based on her word, they came to Jesus. And, Jesus, and, and so they were amazed by what Jesus did. And they were so amazed by Jesus that they invited him to their village. And the Bible said that he then taught, he stayed there for two days, and he taught them. He taught them. He re-educated themselves. Uh, he re-educated them. Because they had this one box of thinking of, this is how you do it. And the Jews had another box of thinking, no, this is how you do it. And so as a teacher, Jesus came, and the whole village, the majority of the village, was completely revolutionized by Jesus and by the woman and it was and it actually happened with partnership with evangelism that the woman was doing and Jesus and his prophetic stuff and then his teaching because then he, he he could ground them in the truth before he left them he just didn't come there and love on them he gave them truth and love it's it's very very profound that we do this because sometimes when you're teaching you don't really care what people say or what they think here's the truth Take it or leave it. God's going to judge you. You know? <laughs> but Jesus is like, here's the truth, but I still love you. And if you take it or leave it, it's your call. But I'm going to tell you the truth because I love you. And I love you because I'm telling you the truth. And it works hand in hand. And we see Jesus doing all that. And, and, and so this is about attitude and actions. Attitude and actions. That's a teacher. The teacher's job is not to just tell you this information, but to convince you to take an action step based on the information that you've heard, based on the revelation that you've received. So what if we just exchange information? But it's a persuasion of stepping into something. Jesus revolutionized the Samaritan woman's life by telling her about worshiping in spirit and in truth. You don't have to go to a location to worship. Worship is something that, 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 that you do wherever you are, wherever God is. You worship in your car. You worship driving. You worship in the DMV. We all know that that's like, ooh, we can do that. And they probably need it there, right? Because people like, it looks like it's a line to hell in a lot of times, you know. But what if you go to a DMV and, 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 and you're worshiping God in spirit and truth and then you go up to, to, to the workers and just tell them, oh man, I know you're probably having a horrible day, but God loves you. I love you. Speak some truth. Speak some purpose. Speak some future into a person's life. Because all they hear is, complain. I mean, you know, they know they're the butts of the jokes, right? It's like, where do you work at? I don't know. Might as well say CIA. Because <laughs> DMV's like, oh, I'm going to unfriend you. Um, but Jesus revealed this big truth is that, the, that, that, uh, that, that there was a gift that God had. And it was not about a ritual that she performed, 
but that God had a gift, and that gift was actually Jesus himself. And I think that this is true in our culture, in our Christian culture or post-Christian culture. We're always looking for the next thing, the next worship night, the next song, the next great teaching. But the real teaching that we really need to absorb and take in is that Jesus is enough for me. That he's not some God out there that I have to chase down for, for him to pay attention. He is really close. He is really near. And that's why worship is such a powerful thing. Worship is not just a song. It's the posture of your life. It's the posture of your mind. It's the posture of your spirit, of your soul. It's the posture of it. So it's not just worship. It's not just I feel goosebumps. But a teacher worships God when a teacher is learning and absorbing the truth of God. And God's dumping revelation into his lap into her lap that's worship it's beautiful because worship is sitting at the feet of Jesus and for her she was thought it was about ritual and he's like no no it's not about ritual so beautiful so 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 beautiful and and Jesus as you know it Jesus is like the best teacher that we know he's an example of what it looks like to be a teacher because he said very few things that had and have, quite frankly, like eternal impact. And I think this is why it's really, really sad that we've taken scripture out of schools. And, um, and, I, and, I'm, I, and you know, on the day, October 3rd, they have a bring, the Bible, bring your Bible to school day. So I hope all you students, whichever capacity you are, October, I think it's October 3rd or 4th or something, but it's a bring, your, bring the Bible to school day. I think it's really powerful because the point of scripture and what we see through Jesus is not about Christianizing people. But there's so much great wealth of principles and life-changing truth in scripture that we can all learn. That we can all apply. Jesus is truth. He just does not come and tell us truth. He is truth. And so a teacher, what they consume is Jesus, but on an intellectual level. It's a beautiful thing. So if the band comes up, I want to pray. Um, but before, before we do that, um, so show of hands, who in here is like, I think I'm a teacher. I think that's kind of my heartbeat. We got one, got two, got three, four, five, six, now seven. Okay. Who knows somebody that you're like, that you're already putting your mind like that, dude, that's why I defriended him or unfriended him because he's always trying to get me to read with, with them. And so now you can friend them again. You're like, oh, I, I get it. You're gifted in that way. So, so now, now I understand. Now we can be friends. Um, <laughs> so, all right, Father, let's rise and let's pray.